You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Grab them by the pod. Thanks again for joining us. I am Kevin along with Jesse. And it's been a while for our listeners. You know that we've uh, been a little bit sporadic over the last few weeks, but now we're going to be back on track and we've got lots to talk about. Uh, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. But hey, that gives us lots of fodder. Ain't that right, Jesse? It is. It's great to be back on a regular schedule. If I don't get this help once a week, I feel like I'm just bothering people on the street trying to talk to them about politics. Because if I don't talk to you, it just has to get out in one way or another. Um, I, before we get into all the crazy stuff that's happened in the last week or two, I really wanted to point out, I talked to you about this a little offline, uh, telling people that I want to try to read this book, Devil's Bargain. It's by Joshua Green. Uh, he works for Bloomberg Business. The reason I want to read this is that it's about Steve Bannon's rise to power and, and how he was involved with Trump's rise to power. Uh, really, the reason I want to read it is that something flashed on my phone, and I'm going to try to put this nicely. Um, in this book, apparently, Bannon says that Paul Ryan was a – a limped deed mother effer who was born in a Petri dish at the Heritage Foundation. I go, well, if there's as good zingers in, like that in the book, I, I have to listen to it. It's going to be fantastic. Or read it. It's going to be fantastic. Well, it certainly sounds interesting. I might have to take a look at that myself. You know, I don't really care for either of them, but hey, who, you know, what's Bannon doing? I mean, we knew he was kind of out there, but this is this is pretty nuts. Anything that proves he's as horrible a person as we all just assume he is. Um, it will be a fun read, although it's fun until you realize the dude's working in the White House right now, and that's <laughs> he's running the country. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what we want to talk about is uh, a lot has happened since our last episode, and specifically in the last 24 hours. But just to give a little background, um, since we were last year, they've been talking about the health care legislation, and the Senate adopted the Cruz Amendment, uh, which basically says that insurance carriers uh, in different states can offer at least one plan that compl- if they offer at least one plan that complies with the ACA regulations, they can have a lot of other plans out there that don't um, basically they're going to be bad plans uh and supposedly they think it's going to save young people money because they can get these bare bone plans uh, really what's going to happen is it's going to screw older people uh the the vote on this was actually delayed it's supposed to happen this week um but our boy john mccain is uh recovering from surgery he's back home and uh they were going to push it off to next week um none of this actually matters though because this stuff is all dead in the water. Last night, uh, the GOP just – their bill just collapsed everywhere. Uh, Senators Moran and Lee announced they're not going to support it. Uh, in the past, we heard that Collins wasn't going to support it from Maine. Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky and even uh, Dean Heller from Nevada probably wasn't going to be supporting this. Uh, there are 52 members of uh, the Republicans in the Senate, so they can have two no's and then have Pence break the vote. But uh, if that's not going to happen, man, it's over, Johnny. I, I think they're in big, big trouble. Well, you could see this coming, that it, that things weren't looking good for uh, the Republicans controlling the Senate because John McCain's vote was needed just for procedural purposes to move forward with this. And since he wasn't going to be available, which, as reports are starting to come out, that the surgery was actually uh, more of a big deal than first reported, oh, really? a blood clot, blood clot above the eye that it might take a little longer. It's going to take longer than a week for him to recover back home in Arizona. So not quite sure when Senator McCain will be back. Um, but yeah, that kind of set the wheels in motion that this was not something that was going to work. And then certainly with more uh, of the other Republicans jumping on board saying, look, we're not going to be able to support this, then that kind of made it dead in the water. 
Now, I'm certainly not the first person to say this, but if you have to beg and plead uh, for your caucus to get enough votes just so that it can pass with the vice president breaking a tie, maybe it's not the best legislation and maybe they shouldn't be focusing on getting this passed and should instead be focusing, I don't know, getting a bill that actually won't kick 23, 24, 22 million, whatever the multi-million dollar number of the current bill is. Uh, It's just a mess and it looks like uh, the American people might be saved, at least for the moment. They've got a temporary reprieve, if not a complete one. Well, I don't have a statistic in front of me, and it'd be something worth looking into. But, you know, how many times the vice president in history has had to cast a tie-breaking vote? And it would seem that that would be the way that many bills would pass through the United States Senate at present with how divided it is, how these things are, are passing by the skin of their teeth because you get a vice presidential uh, vote to break the tie. Now, certainly this is no mandate for the Republican party, you know, and, and oftentimes the, the current president has said, you know, he believes that his election was a, a mandate or that, you know, <laughs> things need to be done his way now. Well, if things are barely passing the Senate with vice presidential tie-breaking votes and as divided as our country is, there is no mandate, Donald Trump. This happened back when Cheney was VP. There was a 50-50 tie for a little bit. So we've seen this at least in our our lifetime a few different times. But like you said, it's definitely not a mandate when the vice president has to do that. It's uh, by the skin of their teeth is how I would put it. So this bill's basically dead in the water. What's going to happen next? Well, they wanted to just say, forget the replace. Let's just repeal and we'll figure out a replacement later on. Um, that would effectively be taking health care away from American citizens and promising it to replace it. Eh, at some point, we'll figure it out. We'll get together. We'll get something out there. I think their plan is to get rid of it. And then when something can't get pushed through to replace it, blame the, the Democrats for them not having any health care. But I think the reverse is going to happen. I think if they were actually able to do that. It doesn't look like they're going to be able to. If they were actually able to do that, the Republicans would be labeled as a party that took health care away from millions of people. Uh, that's not going to help them in the midterm or the presidential elections the next two and four years. It's just simply just not going to help at all. No, that would seem to be a pretty foolhardy plan if the Republicans were to rush that through, uh, simply to repeal, to get their way, right? to undo history, to remove Obamacare from the, from the record books, from the history books, simply for partisan purposes, that's unethical, it's immoral. You know, it's putting party before country. And that is not what they've been sent to Washington to do. No, it's really amazing. I feel like if I was a Republican... Or you know, or Democrat, whatever you're voting for, any kind of bill. I don't, I don't want to just pigeonhole uh, one side. But if you're looking at a bill, and this CBO score, which is nonpartisan, by the way, says this bill, if enacted, is basically going to screw over 10 to 20 million people. I mean, right there, it's easy enough to say no. I, I don't understand how these guys can be like, oh, you know, it's it's good for the people, even though 24 million people are going to be without health care. It just blows my mind every single time I think about it. Well, it's unbelievable to me how the Republicans think of painting the Democrats as the obstructionists when they spent the last eight years doing that exact thing to President Obama. And it's it's interesting that you see a lot of people saying today, a lot of the Trump supporters, what happened when people uh, like their like their doctor and they said they could keep their doctor and then they couldn't keep it uh, or or there were problems here or problems there. The difference is and, – and I've said this in past podcasts. I had problems with the ACA when it was passed, but it was done in good faith. 
um, President Obama really thought what he was saying was going to happen. And when it didn't happen, you know, that, that sucks. And, and I didn't like it, obviously. Um, but it wasn't their intent going in. The, the Republicans, Bill, they know for a fact going in that this is all going to happen and they want to pass it anyways. And that's a big difference, I think, between the two different bills. One is hoping for the best and preparing for the worst. The other one is knowing the worst and pushing it through anyways. Well, it's important to understand exactly how our system of government works. We can say you can say what you will about Obamacare. You can say all the failures that have happened with that. But you have to direct your criticism where it's actually due. President Obama wanted certain things of his health care plan that didn't get passed by Congress. It is Congress's job to actually write the legislation, pass it through both houses before it goes to the president to be signed. So, you know, we must direct our frustration towards the people who had a hand in designing it with the flaws included. So this morning, of course, Trump had a few a few tweets. As, as soon as I heard this was dead last night, I'm like, oh, here we go. 7 a.m. tweets. Didn't come till about 8.30 or so, so I was off by about an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, first he tweeted out, we were let down by all of the Democrats and a few Republicans. Uh, most Republicans were loyal, terrific, and worked really hard. We will return. So when he says, you know, most Republicans are loyal, wasn't he the guy who said, I didn't ask for any kind of pledge of loyalty? That sounds like a guy who really wants these people to be loyal to him or else he's going to blast you on social media. Not to mention loyalty when it comes to an elected member of Congress. Loyalty should be reserved for the country, for your constituents, not for your party or the president. Yeah, party party comes last. Uh, your constituents definitely come first. Uh, then he came out and said that, as I always said, let Obamacare fail and come together and do a great health care plan. Stay tuned. He's been saying that the day we have some really terrific stuff coming down. I just wait. That's uh, not what he said, though. If you look back, I was watching his 60-minute interview again today. He said, everybody's got to be covered. I'm going to take care of everybody. I don't care if it costs me votes. Everyone is going to get taken care of much better than they're taken care of now. That's pretty much the opposite of what this health care would, uh, would do. And, and in, if it surprises us that uh, he was full of crap, well, that, again, it's our fault. We shouldn't be surprised by anything he does these days. Right, exactly. Where does that 25, 30 million people that would lose their coverage fall into that? You know, everybody is going to get taken care of. I, you know, I don't understand. Well, they push the idea that uh, anybody can get their great health care. They just have to be able to afford it. But it's there for them to get if they wanted it. It's, it's all nonsense. The, the good news here also is that it also sounds like uh, this repeal without a replace is also uh, dead on arrival. I think Mitch McConnell is still bluffing that they're going to have some kind of uh, vote next week. But I, I don't think it's going to happen. Although with this kind of stuff... Uh, it changes by the minute. If suddenly they're telling specific senators uh, from sp some specific states that maybe they'll get a little more money uh, for, you know, for their opioid crisis, a little more money for Medicare here or there, uh, maybe these people can be uh, swayed. But I'm really hoping not. Uh, this is bad legislation, and it's even been brought up by a couple senators now that maybe we go back to the drawing board, we go through the committee process, basically we do what we're supposed to do, and then maybe we can get something good to put out there and, and maybe fix some of the, the holes in the current legislation. And that's what they should have done from the beginning. Go through the normal process like you're supposed to do it. Don't just ram something through just so you can be the one to say, I got rid of Obamacare. Imagine that, doing what you're supposed to do. It's a novel concept for Congress. too hard. I like just being a whiny baby and pushing things through. <sighs> 
So that's that's one ongoing story. Of course, the other ongoing story has to do with Russia. And Kevin, I have to say I'm very mad at Lauren Michaels. SNL lied to us. They always led us to believe that Don Jr. was the smart one and Eric was the dummy. Uh, but I'm starting to think the opposite is true. Uh, this has been playing out over the last week or two. Uh, that the New York Times reported that during the 2016 election, Donald Trump Jr. sat down with a, a member. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm never gonna get this right. It's a Russian lawyer named Natalia Veselnitskaya. <laughs> I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, she's a Russian lawyer. They met in Trump Tower, and a, reportedly she has ties with the Kremlin. Uh, and not only was Don Jr. there, uh, his brother-in-law. Kushner, or, you know, the guy who used to say was the best of the worst. I think I don't even think I can say that anymore. Uh, and also the campaign manager at that time, Paul Manafort. Connecticut's uh, own Paul Manafort. Where, where's he from? I think, I think New I, Britain, hard hitting New hard Britain. New Britain. Where was he hard hitting with the Russians? Golden Hurricanes. Uh, well, Golden Hurricanes, Golden Showers. Maybe that's why he was working with uh, Donald Trump. Um, Don Jr. was going around telling everybody that he was there to talk about an adoption program, although nobody really believed that. And of course, the uh, Times reported that he wasn't there to talk about the adoption program. He was talking to them because supposedly they had damaging information on Hillary. Uh, Jr. basically knew that they had him, and he ended up confirming and releasing all his emails on Twitter. Um, it wasn't good. What do you, so that's where we were at that point. What do you think of it up to there? Not good. No, not good at all. And, and of course, you know, the, the party line, the standard here for the Trump team is to lie, then backtrack, and then act like it's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, we didn't meet with anybody from Russia. Okay, we did, but it was about adoptions. Okay, maybe it wasn't about adoptions, but everybody does it. Uh, this, this story gets wackier as we keep going through this. So the meeting was arranged by a music publicist named Rob Goldstone at the request of a Russian pop star whose real estate developer father helped sponsor the Miss Universe pageant, which, of course, was uh, owned by Donald Trump, and signed a deal with Trump to build a Trump Tower in Moscow. And Goldstein told Jr. in an email that the offer of incriminating evidence about Hillary was part of Russia scheme to hurt the candidacy of Hillary and aid Trump's. Now, here's the deal, Kevin, my friend. When you're going to do this kind of shady stuff, don't leave a paper trail. Pick up the phone. I mean, you might be bugged. I mean, use a carrier pigeon. Meet in public, in person. Do not leave a trail that can be you know, left like breadcrumbs for Hansel and Gretel to find, because that will bite you in the butt every single time. Listen, I'm still hung up on Russian pop star because whenever I think of, you know, <laughs> foreign country pop stars, all that comes to mind is Robin Sparkles. And I know Let's go to the mall. You're a big fan, so yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it seems to be the way of the world in the twenty first century that people don't communicate, you know, over the phone or in person anymore, face to face. It's all through emails, Facebook and Twitter posts, text messages. You know, there's a lot of positives to that, but it also leaves a trail behind. And when you're trying to keep things below deck so that the world doesn't find out, you might not want to put it in writing. I mean, have they not been paying attention to the news? Have they not been paying attention to why their father is in big trouble with this whole Russian conspiracy thing? People are getting hacked. No information is safe. Rather than put it all on your computer and just wait for somebody from some country to dig it out, you know, go get a cup of coffee at Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or something and just talk face to face. Although I guess if this person is in Russia, it's a little more difficult. So perhaps um. <laughs> this, this lends some credence to the idea that, you know, the Trump family does feel that they are above everybody else, that this doesn't apply to them, that they can do whatever they want, and that 
there's going to be no consequences or repercussions. I, I without a doubt, that's that's true. They just imagine any other presidency. If you add up just this alone to Bush or to Obama or to Clinton, it would have been an complete complete mess. To the Trump administration, it's just another day in the office. Like no one really bats. It just go oh, there. They go again. Trump. It's amazing what they can get by uh, with people just backing them and saying, "Oh, it's fake news, fake news." It's not fake news. They said they didn't meet with Russia, and now they're saying they did. And I, I love how Donald Trump Jr.'s role is like, "We well, you know. Uh, uh, don't be mean to me. Everybody else does it." And then Daddy Trump followed up with, "Most politicians would have gone to meetings like the one Don Jr. attended in order to get info on an opponent. That's possible. Politics? No, it's not politics. Uh, in, in 2000, uh, someone sent the Gore uh, campaign the the Bush. I think it was his, his prep book for uh, one of the uh, one of the debates, and they called the FBI and didn't use it. One because it could be a plant to get them in trouble. And two because it's the wrong thing to do. So no, not everybody would do this. It goes back, and I've tweeted this out to Donald Jr. You know, my my mother used to say when I was a kid, no, everybody else did. It. Well, if everybody else jumped off a bridge, would you do that too? Well, obviously. No, you can't blame I did this, but everybody else does it, so it's okay. That's that's not true, and it's a stupid analogy. Yeah, to quote Billy Madison, business ethics. <laughs> there are ethics in business. There are ethics in politics, and clearly this is outside of that realm. We're starting to show our age, though, I think, with the Billy. It, it's amazing that's an old Billy movie Coop? now. It doesn't seem like an old movie, but kids today are like, oh, Adam Sandler? Yeah, he's that, that old guy from Netflix movies. It's uh, it's crazy. So <sighs> people are just going to keep saying uh, collusion with Russia is fake news, blah, blah, blah. It, it's really kind of sad that it's right in front of us. It, 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 this is just going to get worse and worse. They, they found the eighth person who's in the meeting today. Again, I think it was another uh, – Russian business developer, but why are you meeting with people people from Russia? People ask, well, what what if uh, somebody from London had helped Obama? You don't have to put things into context. Um, The country does matter. This is the country that (laughs) the facts say they tried to hack us. They didn't try to hack us. They did successfully hack us, and now suddenly they want to help you get elected. You know, if this was Canada getting some information, you know, Canada's not doing what Russia's doing. They're not as shady as a country, and they we don't Here have any proof. Here comes Robin Sparkles again. <laughs> you know, the, the Mounties are coming at us, throwing Canadian bacon at us. It's it's not the same. So the fact that, one, they lied about Russia, and two, that it's Russia at all, that makes all of the difference. Uh, Putin is just sitting there laughing and, and with his shirt off while he's shooting tigers and probably thinks it's all hilarious. I don't know what to make of any of this. I know I say that all the time, but we really, it. <laughs> it's you can't make this stuff up, and it just continues to to get better and better, or worse and worse, I should say, as re- the days and the months go on. It really is stranger than fiction, and you know maybe we're not the only people thinking about this because uh, yesterday we did get a new poll from ABC News, Washington Post, and it was not good news for Donald Trump or the Trump administration. Uh, according to this poll, only 36% of Americans approve of the job that Trump is doing in the White House. Uh, they had a poll actually that came out similarly on the 100-day mark on the White House, and they had him at 42%. So between then and now, uh, he's lost. Six percent, which is not good. Thirty-six percent is, I think, the lowest of any president in the modern age at that at that time. Uh, it, it's it's ugly. It's very ugly. And I mean, to give some context, fifty-eight percent of the people said that they disapprove the job he's doing. Um, it's can it go lower? Is is there a, a, a bottom? Is a floor going to drop out, or is this kind of the 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 bottom for as low it can go? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Trump tweeted 
this week that uh, his approval rating is to quote not bad at this time, which <laughs> Politifact uh, has rated this as false. And if we look at uh, some other polls, according to Gallup, the average approval rating at the six month mark is 62 percent. And to give a frame of reference, Richard Nixon had a 58 percent approval rating at this point. Kennedy, 75 percent. Uh, George W. Bush was 59 percent. The Republican hero Ronald Reagan was at 62 percent at this point in time. 36 percent. That's not bad at this time. <laughs> and, and people like to kind of point out, we know what this Rasmussen poll came out recently and it had him at like 42 percent or 44 percent or something. And guess what? Ras Rasmussen is not good. I, I like talking about um, – different polls out there. 538 did a whole uh, write-up on the legitimacy of different polls and whether they're a good poll or bad poll. Um, are they are they accurate? And the ABC News Washington Post poll was put down as, as an A+, plus, one of six out of 372 polls that got an A+. Plus. It skewed slightly to the left, uh, like 0.6%, which is really nothing. And then the Rasmussen poll was given a C+. Plus. There were 182 polls ranked better than that, and it skews to the right by two points. So uh, the, the two really can't be compared because one is much better than the other one. But but again, polls don't matter unless it shows that Trump's doing well. Then obviously it does, and he'll tell everybody about it. Um, people like to point out, well, these are the same polls that got the 2016 election wrong. Uh, but if you go back and look at a lot of these polls, predicting that Hillary was going to win, and like, you know, she has a 99% chance of of winning. Some of some of these things, but most of them had like you know within within like a twenty three percent chance for Trump, which was in statistical margin of error that that he ended up winning. It's these aren't this isn't fake news, no matter how many times uh, his supporters want to point out and say it is. Right, you know, obviously none of these are concrete. You know, they're not a hundred percent, but you know, certainly they they give an idea of the attitude people are taking towards this president. But you know. To Trump's delight, I'm surprised I haven't heard more about this. According to a Newsweek uh, article this week, a Bloomberg national poll has found that Trump's favorability is at 41 percent right now compared to Hillary Clinton's at 39 <laughs> percent. Question being, why the hell are we still talking about Hillary Clinton? Well, here's what Trump supporters don't seem to understand. The opposite of Trump is not Hillary. The opposite of Trump is not Trump. And you know it, the opposite it, it, well, of Trump is human decency. <laughs> we'll leave that there. But like you, you can say I, I don't like Trump. I like anybody else other than Trump. You know, yeah. Hi Hillary lost. She's been off doing her own thing. She and she hasn't been campaigning. She hasn't been out there in the public eye. The president, the president is this slow. There's no war going on. The economy isn't in a recession. There's no major crisis. Can you imagine if something bad actually were to happen to our country, how far he would fall down? And we're in a place where his supporters are trying to point out that no, uh, his his approval was actually a 43% approval rating, and that's good. Even their best case scenario is horrible. It's it's really an insane time. Although it does make me feel a little better that some other people are starting to see the light, and then I maybe I'm not as crazy, or we're not as crazy as I think we are every once in a while. Yeah, I got a 43 on a test once. You know what I got? I got an F. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got a lot of 79s, and I could never convince them to push it up to an 80. It was very very hard for me. So, 
Uh, one of the things we wanted to talk uh, as we get towards the uh, end of today's podcast is is Trump's health. Now, I, I want to point out that you know this may not be fair, and you know people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. I, I could always go on a diet myself, uh, but I've seen an increasing number of articles written about Trump's health. Just this morning, I was reading one in Politico. I read one in USA Today, and the main issues that I like to point out is that he's 71. He's in probably the most stressful job in the entire world. He's overweight. He doesn't exercise. He loves fast food and red meat. He spends hours a day just laying on the couch uh, watching cable news. He doesn't get enough sleep. Now, okay, half of those you could probably apply to me too. Um, so I'm not saying this stuff to be mean at all. But is this something that we should be worried about and that Trump should be worried about? Well, as a human being, if my health were in that condition and if I looked at health and exercise the way he does, I'd be concerned. But, you know, more importantly, I think we should be concerned about this. A number of news outlets, including CNN and uh, Britain's The Guardian, have reported on a May 8th New Yorker article that highlighted Trump's bizarre theory on exercise in general, <laughs> which is to the tune of he believes that energy and humans have a finite amount of energy, kind of like a battery, and that the more you use it, it wears it down and eventually the human body runs out. And therefore, why exercise? It's actually going to kill you. Keep in mind that this comes from a 19th century theory, which deals that arose because of the Industrial Revolution, uh, looking at humans as machines, looking for efficient uses of energy and the equipment that was being used in industrialization, et cetera, et cetera. So he's using a 200-year-old ideology here. You know what it reminds me of? I'm a big comic book nerd. There's been multiple storylines where the Flash, his powers are killing him, and if he actually moves fast, he'll get rid of all his energy and die. Uh, yeah, that's great when I'm reading in a comic book, not when the president of the United States is, is thinking that. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. And if you look at his uh, you know, most recent predecessors, yeah, Obama smoked, but he, you saw him out there playing basketball. And I mean, I've seen that video of him working out. He's a insane the form he has when lifting weights is kind of ridiculous but i'll give him a pass because at least he was actually lifting weights um i read, read bush w bush uh ran seven minute miles when he did 5ks even uh you know their bubba clinton there he would run to get rid of that big mac uh weight i, mean, I did was was he running through your town or just just walking around actually he was doing his other uh form of physical activity which was bowling oh bubba was an okay. avid bowler and he came to the bowling alley on a, on a campaign stop back in 1992 when I was just a young lad. I was actually uh, had the chance to get there early. My parents brought me down to the, the, the 10 pin down the hill from the house because Governor Clinton of Arkansas was coming to town. And I had recently been to Arkansas because my uncle lives there uh, at that time and, uh, you know, had an Arkansas Razorbacks hat on. He picked me out right from the front row and said, you know. <laughs> Hey there, I got a daughter about your age. So I was compared to Chelsea Clinton, Ooh. at least at one point in my life when we were like 10 or 12 years old. But yeah, he was bowling. Yeah, and then we saw him, what, 10, 20 years later? 10, uh, 10 years later, I believe. Yeah, it was about 10 years uh, in between my, uh, my chances to meet President Clinton, and neither time was he actually in office. <laughs> and I shook his hand and then wanted to immediately wash it because I didn't know where it had been. So, yeah, I, getting back to the point of, of the articles we were discussing, you know, Americans are increasingly overweight, and you know, I know that's a struggle firsthand, but uh, Trump is the most unfit president in modern times. Uh, he should, for his health, 
for the health of the nation, you know, turn this around. I mean, he could just get a, a treadmill while he's watching Fox News and freaking out, just walk and dictate his tweets to Dan Scavino, wherever the hell's standing next to him. Um, I understand he's got a lot going on. Well, I would say he has a lot going on, but I, I don't think he does. I think he wastes a lot of time. It would seem so, and Lord knows he's got people in his ear telling him what to say. So how much of that yeah. is original thought? I don't know, but. And of course, you know, I, I go to bed super late, so I'm always cranky. I don't get enough sleep. Uh, one of these articles pointed out that lack of sleep leads to diminished cog- cognition and anxiety. Do you want the dude with his finger on the button to be cranky because he didn't get enough sleep the night before? We know I actually had a student <laughs> this year who researched this very topic for his senior capstone project. And from all the research and, and reporting that was done, uh, by him, there is certainly a direct correlation between sleep deprivation and anxiety and cognition. So, yeah, I'm not sure that I want him with his finger on the big red button. Let's be honest. On on good days, he's pretty high strung. So when he gets no sleep, I can only imagine. Um, and, and let's not forget, remember when he was running for president, he had that sham of a doctor who somehow claimed that Trump would be like the most fit president ever if elected. And he's like in perfect physical health that was the most ridiculous thing ever I and mean, he shouldn't have been elected based on that just there because that's such a lie right he actually touted the idea that he was more fit to handle the demands of the presidency than hillary clinton said that you know how can you stand up to groups like isis or, you know other international threats so she doesn't have the physical stamina and, and capacity to do it that he was the uh the beacon of physical fitness to be able to handle such a situation I mean, this whole conversation, maybe it's inappropriate about, you know, an average person on on the street. But again, when you're the most powerful person in the world, the leader of the free world, um, I think these are things that are fair game and worth worth bringing up. So uh, before we get to Kevin's corner, I, I know you were telling me today you're reading an article about how, again, Trump, um, I don't know if he's lying to himself or just plain out lying about the number, uh, uh, the amount of legislation that he's passed in the last six months or so. Uh, how, how much did he say he passed? Well, we know that it's in Trump's nature to brag about his accomplishments. And he has stated that he has passed more, he has signed more bills into law than any other president, except maybe a few, you know, <laughs> words don't matter here. But anyway, just to break down some of Trump's actual bills, President Trump has signed 42 bills since taking office. 15 of which reversed Obama regulations, 14 of which were ceremonial and routine lawmaking, and five bureaucratic tweets, uh, tweaks, excuse me, and four space and science bills, and four veterans bills. Not exactly hard-hitting legislation. And, you know, as you've said in the past, perhaps he believes that the executive orders he's been signing are bills. I'm not sure. And a lot of those executive orders aren't even successful either when it comes to a lot of the the travel ban. Um, you know, this was his signature piece of legislation, the uh, Trump care bill stuff, and you know, he didn't seem to really care about it. And then it's going down in flames because he's not holding town halls. He's not talking to people. He's not going to rallies in the states that are going to be killed by this. So he doesn't really seem to care. So I think probably we can expect the same stuff from the tax reform legislation whenever that bothers to be put out i mean all, all we've seen so far in the last few months is a, a couple bullet points on a piece of paper 
Um, so yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are really pissed off that they're not going to be saving lots of money. Those are all the uh, the millionaires and the trillionaires. But uh, Tr- Trump is doing his best to do the bidding of a select few in this country, and he's failing spectacularly. Well, you do know that law he signed back on June 6th, the Department of Homeland Security Save Act, which required the Department of Homeland Security to make improvements to managing its vehicle fleet. <laughs> Uh, so, so what do we got for uh, Kevin's Corner this week? Well, Jesse, you know, we've been on a hiatus because of my travels. And during my my recent trip, I was able to make a stop in Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia, a place that I had not visited since I was a frivolous eighth grader. The town holds so much of our nation's early history as the likes of Washington, Jefferson, Mason and Monroe once strolled its streets. As my family and I sat in the House of Burgesses in the replicated colonial Capitol building, which sits on the foundation of its original predecessor, I was awestruck by the events which took place on these hallowed grounds of democracy. The vital freedoms which stand firm in our Constitution were first addressed by the members of the body housed in the very location that I was now walking the halls of. As our tour was reaching its conclusion, we were reminded by our historic interpreter, who was clearly impassioned by the connections between our foundations of government and that which takes place today, that quoting the Spider-Man series, with great power comes great (laughs) responsibility. Our government is one that, despite who is in power, is run by the people and for the people. It is our responsibility to ensure that our republic lives on, that our government meets the needs of our society above all else. It is essential for us to remember that our most sacred document begins with the words, we the people. We can ill afford to look the other way when our national ideals are being compromised. You had me at Spider-Man, Kevin. I thought you'd like that. Wonderful. All right. Uh, Before we wrap up today, I just want to let everybody know that we will definitely be back next week. I think we're both going to have some exciting news to uh, share at the beginning of the podcast next week. Uh, Some fun things are happening in Connecticut, and I think it'll be fun to share with everybody on the podcast. So uh, until then, Kevin, as always, it's been a lot of fun, and we'll see you then. Later. (laughs) 